everybody. Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast, the only movie podcast in existence, period. I am your host, J. David Osborne, and this is my co-host, David James Keaton. Dave, how the hell are you, man? Doing all right. Doing all right. Kind of a, kind of a long day today already. Yeah. Yeah. A little weary. You little sound weary. how I feel. I was like, I'm... I'm mildly pumped to do the the podcast but i was uh i don't know something about today has just put me in like a a foul mood but not like a cute foul mood like not a mood that i think will translate well into you know fun <laughs> podcasting it's just like yeah you know. i mean i i was out in the in the real world yesterday maybe that's what it is i didn't i didn't get any uh any more um positive reinforcement from from the real world, so I'm just feeling kind of I don't know. I'm also not not a, not good sleep these days, but I went to the old Santa deal. Mm-hmm. Get a picture of the of the baby with Santa. Mm-hmm. There's a there's like a winter wonderland thing here in San Jose. It's kind of set up weird, like the all the um all the little booths and everything, and the tree and the Santa and the train and the dangerous carnival rides they're uh-huh. all they're, they're kind of on this island between highways it's very weird like you don't hmm. I, i'm used to back in the midwest you know when you go to something like that you just you're just in a field somewhere you know mm-hmm. so so here when we found it we parked and then we got across a big double lane <laughs> highway and then they were on this island and then it's a double lane highway on the other side and i just i don't know i feel like one of those those ratty trees growing grown in the overpass you know I think that's literally the beginning to a jg ballard novel where you just, <laughs> oh conc- yeah yeah um, concrete island did that didn't it Con- yeah. concrete island the guy falls under it and he lives there yeah yeah exactly that was, i like i liked that book that book was pretty sweet i wish people I, would actually do more jg ballard style books you know like because there's nobody really i think putting out too much stuff where uh, like modern, not even technology, but just like the structure of modern life is posited as the enemy, you know? Because like Ballard did that yeah. a lot with like Concrete Island, and he did that with uh, with High Rise, but then also with um, you know his first books were all these kind of apocalypses. So you had the Drowned World, which was water, and then uh, mm-hmm. there was one where it was heat in a desert. But then there was a the was it called Crystal World? Or crystal, I think it was Crystal World, but it's where sounds familiar. It's where time uh, like, of Vermilion Sands is that in that collection? No, no, this was a novel. This was like one of his, oh. one of his early, and it was kind of like Heart of Darkness, where they're in the jungle, but there's been like a rift in time, and the rift in time causes uh, everything. It's kind of like Annihilation, actually. They go into this zone where everything's been crystallized because mm. there's like some problem with time, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You just don't really see that kind of stuff very much. I think sci-fi writers in general sort of drifted more towards the cyberpunk and focusing on how, you know, technology uh, is like affecting our bodies and what it means to be a human being in the year 2400 or whatever. But Ballard was much more interested in like take, looking around him and seeing how like there are all these bad guys around you and they're they're called like yeah. buildings and and, and concrete islands <laughs> and things like that. I thought Concrete Island would have probably been my favorite Ballard book if it didn't have 
this kind of menagerie of circus freaks and fun people show up and it, it kind of, he has to open it up. Um, Crash has that the wonderful repetition to it where you don't meet anybody else once you get to the, get to the, you know, the, the crash people. Mm-hmm. But Con- Concrete Island starts just with the guy and it's kind of like a, Stephen King did a lot of those stories, you know, with the one person dealing with something, mm-hmm. slowly losing their shit. Uh, was that um, Survivor type? Was like that. I was the one with the frogs. There's like a bunch of fucking frogs. I don't remember that, but the the whole uh, one person dealing with a freaky situation. And Concrete Island, for those of you that haven't read it, guy crashes his car. Um, and he's stuck under an overpass, but it, it's described in a way where you you believe that he can't that he's stuck there forever. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably would be hard to pull that off today. There's there's not a whole lot of unexplored areas around overpasses. They're actual cities now, mm-hmm. you know. Especially in California, they're they're definitely full of people. But um, but yeah, so he's stuck down there, and you you believe that he can't get out, that he can't he. Is he hurt too bad to crawl up the embankment or it's too steep? I don't remember. Something. And I remember he gets almost up there and somebody beans him with a bottle or something. <laughs> it's like, think think fast, Malkovich. Right, right, right. <laughs> and and uh, so he's just down there with the, the bottles of wine that were in his trunk, I think. That's his whole existence. And that shit's awesome. And then mm-hmm. turns out there's some other people down there. And that's when I kind of lost uh, – it lost me a little bit. Um but I, I love that book, though. It's a great companion piece to Crash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been I thinking think about have... going back through a J.G. Ballard just on a on a binge. I was thinking about buying um, the Atrocity Exhibition off Amazon. Yeah, I've got, I've got that one. I've I haven't, got done, that one. I, haven't done a... I haven't read that one yet, but it looks it looks pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is exactly. I don't really understand what it is. It mm-hmm. seems to be a lot of post apocalyptic stuff in there. There's a cross section of what what the um, skull looks like with a dick in its mouth? I don't understand why that's in there. That's it looks dope. very dangerous. It looks dangerous. Um, but yeah, it's got a great title, and it's got a little bit of crash stuff going in it. It's kind of like his greatest hits, this free form illustrated deal. It's real big. It's like a workbook. You know, it's full okay. of pictures. That's cool. I like pictures, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I feel like more books should have pictures. Actually, so I was thinking about this in terms of. Um, in terms of white space. And I was thinking about how much I love white space in books. And I think that there should be more uh, like diagrams, pictures, blank pages. Everything oh, well, should that's be what she, much yeah. more House of Leaves-ish than it is right now. Like I just, I can't stand just page after page of like walls of text, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, shut, shut up. Another shut one, up. really? <laughs> But, uh, that was a that was a problem with one of a novel I submitted, and um, one of the many agents who turned it down said my chapters were too long. Uh-huh. That I had that they want that white space you're talking about. Yeah. Like, why can't you make you got a chap? Your chapters are like twenty to thirty pages. They should be two or three pages. It's like, what? Are you kidding? So then you you end up with this kind of serial storytelling mm-hmm. method. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just. Uh, I was kind of resistant. I, I'm I'm a fan of the big brick of text sometimes, um, just on the other from the other side of it. But when I'm reading it, I'm certainly relieved to come to that white space. Mm-hmm. No, it feels good. It feels like you get a chance to take a breath. I think that uh, Roberto Bolaño was really good at 
having those big bricks of text, but then also mm-hmm. also having a lot of white space. There's just something, even if it's a dialogue scene, if you go from like a big brick to mm-hmm. you turn the page and you see that it's just that, that skinny little column that's just like people having a very terse and short conversation with each other, you're like, oh, hell yeah, I'm about to rip through this. And then you rip through <laughs> it and you get back into the into the chunk. But we talked we talked about that once before about the Kindle and how psychologically it kind of uh, zaps your will because you don't know when your brick of text is going to end. You don't have the physical nature of feeling those last how many pages are left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're in the bar and the bar is deceptive because they include all those ads and all those excerpts and mm-hmm. which can also rob you of, you kind of want to know when it's going to end. Yeah. Um, I was so, but, we talked about this. Yeah. I was so pissed off. I read this extremely long book. I think it was something like the equivalent of a seven or 800 page book on Kindle. And I got to 86% and everything after 86% was the glossary, right? Or not the glossary, Ooh, the, uh, yeah. The uh, what do you call it? The the bi- bibliography, the index. Yeah, yeah. What the hell do you call that thing? Anyway, but I, I like you said, you feel robbed. I mean, I went to my screen, and I just I couldn't look at it with just eighty six percent. So I actually I paged through the whole thing, and just like got to the very end, and then it said a hundred percent, and I was happy. But it was such a bummer. See that? That's what a that's what a new J G Ballard novel would be about. Is like Kindle disappointment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, exactly. How can man, what can man do against these, these inconveniences? <laughs> these extremely mild inconveniences. Yeah, no, it will be the next J.G. Ballard. It, it'll just be like. It'll, the, the incon- the, it'd be the inconvenience exhibition. The, yeah, exactly. Or just like, just like pissed off online. You know what I mean? Like just call it click or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty much. Well, that's well, what it is now. It's like there's, we basically, there's, there was a lot of anxiety and fear in the seventies and eighties about where everything was going to go. And now we're living in the world where it went there and it just, it's just kind of just, just mildly shitty. It's, that's all it is. Like, it's not, it's not like the, we neither got the terminators nor did we get the kind of JG Ballard thing. We just kind of ended up with everybody playing candy crush all day, which is probably the most boring apocalypse ever or the most boring dystopia, I should say. Well, I shouldn't complain about, I don't know why I complain about going to see Santa on the concrete island between the highways, because that was at least a, uh, um, I mean, I felt energized in my, in in having like a different form of stress. Uh, Like I went to get a hot chocolate and there was a, there's a big towering um, hotel overlooking this little island of, of celebration mm-hmm. and all i could think about all i could think about was like the las vegas shooting mm. and and how what a ripe target we would look like to somebody up there and there was a there was silhouettes of people understandably looking down at the you know all the merry making and the whole time i was thinking god damn i feel kind of exposed down here oh, <laughs> what, wow, if, you know, what if somebody up there like flips out you know they it would be it's such a perfect opportunity with all the lights and all the people gathered the line to go see Santa. Did I tell you this, that uh, some dude got mad because I cut back in line. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so fucking annoying because it's not a line like where I'm going to go partake in whatever they're serving. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit on Santa's lap. Yeah. 
Right. So it doesn't I could cut cut in and out of that line all day. It's not going to affect a single child. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I and I cut out to go get her hot chocolate and came back and this fucking dude he just starts he's pacing and he's muttering. I could tell he was mad. Mm. And I thought if you're fucking mad about me cutting in line and his wife like asked him what was wrong and he was like, "Man, I ain't even tripping. I ain't even tripping." Uh-huh. And I I thought, "Fuck you, dude. <laughs> tripping tripping about what?" Right. I'm not going to sit on Santa's fucking lap. So, <laughs> so, I thought, so he's, he's basically, he's muttering to his wife and I'm muttering to my wife, <laughs> but neither of us have the balls to mutter to each other. We're just like a couple, a couple of mutter fests. Like, what does he fucking think I'm doing? He fucking thinks I'm going to fucking sit on Santa's lap. And he's over there like, no, yeah, no, it doesn't bother me. I don't give a fuck. He, he, he comes in line. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so it's like a couple of fucking idiots. And of course, it doesn't affect a single goddamn thing because he doesn't think – and he was, dr- was drunk out of his mind. Later, Amy said that when I was gone to get the hot chocolate, he bumped into her. And she's got the baby in this wrap where it, yeah. she wears it. Uh-huh. She's kind of wearing it like you know, like in uh, – what's that bachelor party movie? The Hangover. Oh, yeah. It's like a baby Bjorn kind of deal. Except it faces her. It's much more tightly wrapped. And he's drunk, so he's like bumping into her. Mm. Um, I didn't see I didn't see that or I lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. Which is probably why she told me on the way to the car. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah, so mixed in with that drunk idiot and looking at the, uh, you know, possible sniper situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was kind of stressful going to the concrete island, going to the to Santa's wonderland between the highways. It, it was yeah. it was a, it was a little different. Well, little that's different. I mean, that's kind of I guess. Yeah. So if we're putting on our, our J.G. Ballard hats here. Cause I feel that way too. I went to go get Rios like a last minute Christmas gift. Uh, and the place that I decided to go to had, there are these tiny little parking lots in El Paso and it doesn't make any fucking sense because we're in the middle of a desert. We're surrounded by nothing but flat land. Right. And mm-hmm, and yet right. they have these tiny little, these tiny little strip malls with these convoluted parking spit, like literally that like they don't make sense. And yeah, you guys should be parking like in Fury Road. You should park anywhere. <laughs> exactly. It's just like big dirt fucking expanses <laughs> where you can just stop. You don't, you're not even parking. You just, just you just stop somewhere and get out. Um, but anyway, so I'm in there and like and people are pulling out all crazy and then some are going way too slow. And I really do think, yeah, like the, the hell being kind of other people and this sort of, especially it being Texas, there there's always this, when I go out, there's this looming threat of violence and the kind of like masculinity that comes along with it because it's like Mm -hmm. dudes are pulling out in these like giant ass trucks and sort of i guess bullying their way across the road and you're just like if i if i say shit like this dude could just like pull out a gun and shoot me right so he's been waiting all his all his life he's just like i wish a motherfucker would and then i pop out and i'm like uh sir I'm, I would like to speak to you outside of your car. And he's just like, oh, hell no. Lying there like, and I've reached my fucking sad end to a sad life. Because <laughs> I just couldn't keep it together that this guy fucking cut me off. <laughs> but, but anyway, oh, dude, do you want to... You want to talk about this bird box? You want to talk about this bird box? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bird box it up. I think this might might be an appropriate thing for us to talk about. It's all about an apocalypse. Uh If if we get the apocalypse we want or deserve, is this the one we want or deserve? The can't look look at it it, or makes you crazy. Now, I read the book, so um, 
I mean, you're going to hear me grumbling like the guy in the Santa line, like grumble, grumble, grumble. Why is everybody, why is everybody giving this 10 stars? I don't know. It's kind of, it wasn't like right. grumble, grumble. Well, that's the but first, you, that's actually the very first thing that I wanted to talk about if we could really fast, because you and I both watched this uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, spoiler what? alert, we both thought it was bad. Um, and it sort of presents us with this interesting conundrum because up till this well, point, we should, can we, let's rewind a little bit. Okay. Cause I thought you, I was hanging on to the fact that you said in your text that it wasn't as bad as like maybe a revisit could, once I get past my initial comparing it to the book that I would like it better. I must've misread your message. You did. You, I hated it. I really didn't. Oh no. Jeez. Yeah. Cause you were like, what did your message say? It said something like, this could be good. And uh, maybe I read some excitement in that message. No, 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 no. It's, it's said, fury. It's fu- like it's I'm, I'm enraged well, because it had well, it could have been good. Right. That's what I was getting across have, with that. I have to I have to pivot then I have to pivot a little bit because hmm. uh, one of us has to kind of stick up for it, I guess. I guess. Or else. I don't know. But, well, I'm going to here's what, I'm going to come at it from the book point of view. OK. And you you come at it. Because I'm really interested in your perspective of this, because I'm I'm fascinated by people's responses to it. Mm-hmm. I think, and what I was hanging my hopes on was, if nobody came at it with any idea of the book, is the idea of this thing mm-hmm. that you that you can't look at and the situation that arises is that interesting enough to pull you through? And when you were you were, you were kind of live tweeting your reactions to it, and it seemed like that's what was happening, but it sounds like you, that wasn't happening at all. So go ahead. Well, okay. So yeah. So like, so what I was saying is that this, this puts us. It frustrates me. I think I felt frustrated going into this uh, podcast in general because it does kind of feel like not not well. It's like walking up the gallows, you know, because it's just like. Most of the people who I think listen to this have been part of the love parade for this movie. And, you know, as we, as we know, Josh Mallerman is both of our like personal best friends uh, (laughs) and we, whom we've known since, you know, childhood. And, you know, we just really want the best for Josh. And uh, also we want Josh to kind of like notice us in hopes that maybe he could, you know, help our own careers along. So we really wanted to praise it. It's, all true, all true. We, we really wanted to praise it, specifically tagging uh, our our personal friend Josh over and over and over again uh, with every nice thing that we have to say about it. We really wanted to be able to do that, but um, unfortunately, Here's... I just didn't like it. So I don't know what to do. It's like I don't. We can talk yeah. about it, right? And I don't want to. I don't want to shit on. We were kind of too much we were worried we were worried about this see i I did not see this coming dude i did not Mm -hmm. see this coming as i told you i think i tell you this on the phone i bought stock in netflix yeah so if anybody has a reason to root for this thing i do because i think we took a me we took a hit yeah (laughs) this movie uh even though twitter apparently loves it well, that's um, why going every, in, I was like, I was like, please be good, please be good, please be good. I'm like, and we, I'm and like we were worried. Praying. Remember, we were back when uh, Annihilation came out. We had a similar concern. We're like, are we going to be the only ones to shit on this thing? Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that that was actually pretty good. 
Yeah, I liked um, it a lot. And yeah. then and then I saw Wheelman coming up, or Wheelman, sorry, uh, Donnie Brook coming up. Another that Wheelman is another Grillo uh, uh, movie. Right. And so I thought that's the one I'm probably going to have to walk up to the gallows, like you're talking, because right. that's not because that looks like it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's the one where everybody's going to be like, oh, you're being a dick to this writer friend of ours. Mm-hmm. This one blindsided me because I thought, um, again, I, I had high hopes with the uh, with the Netflix. They've been they've been ramping up their quality with the Buster Scruggs, mm-hmm. and it kind of it played to me like episode one of a decent TV show. Yeah. It which means, but not as but not as like quality as say Sharp Objects, which is a limited series which has a finite ending. This felt like it was the beginning of an endless show, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Walking Dead or something. Right. Um, and I, and I would I would say that's a pretty sweet series. I'm going to watch this. As a movie though, am I too hypercritical about movies that I didn't get what I wanted? Like I didn't get knowing so much about the story, knowing what I, my expectations were high is that would happen. And then again, I turn to you who goes in with a lot less of that. You uh, didn't have the same investment by reading this material or literally investing in the material. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, nah, it's not good. Yeah. So um, I think that's where we're at. It's um, what well, I happened? just, I just wanted, I just wanted to like it because I'm a very agreeable person and I like it when people like me and I get the impression that not liking this movie is going to make a few people not like me. And that really bothers me because I'm a people pleaser deep down. I know that might sound hard to believe. Yeah. I really, yeah, I really is... just like saying anything that will make somebody my friend. <laughs> I have, I have no moral compass or ethics whatsoever. I'm, I'm a chameleon <laughs> dude. I will shift to whoever I'm talking to and be the most agreeable guy ever. So it's really difficult for me to do this. So I guess what I'll do, I'll start off with some stuff that I actually liked about the movie. Um, I thought I the, it, I thought the acting was fine and I thought that there were actually some pretty decent, uh, character moments in it. Um, I really liked that actor, the main guy, the dat Tom, I liked his work a lot. I thought he was cool and I thought he which delivered his that? lines really well. Uh, which guy's that? He's the the buff black dude. The, oh, yeah. I thought I thought I thought that was Fifty Cent. <laughs> I honestly I honestly did. Now that you you think that sounds racist, but I googled it because uh-huh. that's how convinced I was. And it's and somebody said we need that guy to play Fitty in the in his biopic. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm not sure. He looks just like him, except he can act. Right, like, right, if, right. If you've seen, if you've seen Get Rich or Die Trying, mm-hmm. that poor dude can't. He can't act. You know, no, he can. No, no. He can survive. He can survive nine gunshots, but he can't act for shit. But yeah, did this you guy, know that the reason he, why Fifty Cent survived nine gunshots is because when he got shot, I think he was like extremely obese, and I, I think like the bullets just didn't go through him or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> is that how bullets work? <laughs> You're not even going to let him have that. You're, you're going to minimize his, his nine his nine bullets. Uh, oh, I, no, I, I think that there's there's probably something to be said for that because if you there was so many there was a while when there was so many rappers talking about how many gunshots they got that I, I remember talking to somebody about this and saying you know why don't they if people if they were shooting each other with bow and arrows like it would be so much more impressive because mm-hmm. now that like. There's just something about like yeah I took I took a bow and arrow 
to the fucking face. I mean, that, isn't that better than than the little the little bit of that? Uh, and here we are minimizing. I'm going to get shot now because I'm talking Probably about. Probably so. Yeah, you're going to get shot how, waiting in line for Santa. And I'm going to get riddled riddled with bow and arrows. Yeah. But that I just think it would be great if there was if there was an East Coast West Coast beef where the victims were just riddled with arrows. <laughs> And you had to wear them. You had to wear them as like a badge of honor. Like right. instead of pulling up your shirt to show us the bullet wound, it's like you'd see it from from a block away. It's like that motherfucker took five arrows to the chest. Look at him. <laughs> he's still and he's still he's still dropping an album next summer. That's crazy. I mean that's more impressive. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. more impressive. Anyway, anyway. I agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but uh, so anyway, uh, I think um... I remember your text with him said. Well, how's he working out all for four years? You said That's he my, like that that was my good. biggest problem is because, okay, first of all, I love looking at buff dudes. It's one of my favorite parts about movies is like checking out like their guns. And this dude's got – this guy's fucking ripped. He just looks great. You know, His arms look amazing. His shoulders are great. But then it's like, yeah, it's like five years later when they've been cooped up in this house. I'm like, I guess he could be doing body weight exercises and just like – but like where's the protein coming from? I mean, beans, tuna cans. I mean, how much tuna is this? The, the guy's going to die from mercury poisoning if he's eating that much tuna every day. Like, there's just no way to maintain that physique over five years. I mean, you're going to, in the apocalypse, you're going to turn into like a little wiry guy, you know? You can still be strong, yeah. but you're just not, you're not going to be, you're not going to be buff like that. I mean, my my problem with that guy, even though it's, it's, tough to to say he's uh he's one of the biggest problems i had with the movie and, really? and it's, again, it's interesting it is uh it is because he actually has one of the best moments when he guns down the crazies mm-hmm. um so that's one of those moments that um is undeniably powerful for a minute right. for, you know but the uh my biggest problem with him is because and I, I hate to be the one who's like it deviates from the book but the one of the conceits that they kept for the movie, they maybe they should have gone in a totally different way because in the book, um, now again, this is my memory of the book might be fucked up. I told you that last episode that I was going into it with a skewed memory of the book, but I remember this pretty well. I remember the fact that she is alone and that's why it's impressive. She is alone. She has the baby um, and she she has this other, she has these kids, right? She is left totally alone at that moment and then spends and then she gets a phone call that says, you want to come to us? You got to make it through the river. It's very complicated. She takes five years to train these kids to make this journey. Mm-hmm. So that means in the five years, she teaches them that you don't say shit and you, we don't name, and they don't, she doesn't name the kids because she doesn't want to get attached to them because she's hardcore about it. Mm-hmm. The, the most powerful moment in the book, I thought that when I knew the book uh, was going to be different than the last couple books I had read was when the baby's born, she ponders, do I blind the child? Because that'll save a lot of trouble. Oh, wow. And that, that the baby will have a chance. I should blind I should blind her right now. And to that moment, how do you not put that in the fucking movie? Yeah. How, can, how can a filmmaker be so incompetent or so gutless to say, we can't put that in there. That's going to turn people off. We got to stay right down the middle of the fucking road with everything they expect. Kind of YA it up, you know, mm-hmm. got to kind of, it's got to be family friendly. So you don't have that moment. Wait, so that does, moment was does she that... blind the kids in the book? No, no. But she okay. ponders it. Right. She thinks about it. And, and you know, in a book, you got that. That can be a lot longer than just a, a sentence or a moment. 
you know that's it it hovers over the book that moment and plus the fact that she doesn't name them so then you know that she's she's harsh with them at this training and that it's it's serious you know mm-hmm. so here's my question if she's going to live with this dude so in the movie they're like nah we need a love story and we can't have her be too mean to these kids so she she's not left alone she has apparently a, a very uh reasonable life with this dude for 5 years before she heads out on the journey to make them old enough to be old enough to to mirror what happens in the book mm-hmm. but why would you, but you're worth now to believe that she would not name them that she still calls them boy and girl mm-hmm. because she's because now she's not this militant survivalist by on her own instead she's living with this guy mm-hmm. and she's in there why would they not name them he's talking about he does he say something about it does he mention it like do they try to gloss over like why don't we name these kids i don't remember because at that point i was starting to tune out well he he gets uh, he's telling them some sort of story about climbing trees or whatever and she comes in oh, and it's right, like right, what right. are you doing don't tell them about trees and he's like well you don't even name them you call them boy and girl right so it's it's this kind of domestic spat but yeah, no, I yeah, think... Do you see what I'm saying? See yeah, how it makes sense that you would not name them? If you trained a child for five years, or if you cha- trained the children for five years to take on this this uh, journey, mm-hmm. and it, and I get, I have sympathy that it's, it's probably unfilmable. That's why a book and a movie are different animals. I remember somebody said a long time ago, and it kind of pissed me off, but now I, I don't know if I'm coming around a little bit. They said, you know, a movie is a pretty stupid way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. thought, fuck I love movies. Fuck you. But what do you do with a movie that says it takes five years to train these kids to, to make this journey? And if I'm remembering this book wrong, the you know four people who listen to this podcast feel free to correct me. But how do you how do you film that? How do right. you film the five years of her by herself? I think you can. I think it's an interesting movie. It's not the movie we saw, no. but I think you because they fractured the uh, structure in this in a way that could tell everything that was in the book. But weirdly enough, it made it so it zapped all the momentum of the movie. It does. So it really does. Yeah. I, the, I, the structure t- it just kills it. The structure. The what, what I basically, I, what I couldn't help thinking through the entire movie is that the five years later, the survivalist Sandra Bullock and the two, and the two kids, that's the whole movie right there. Like you have an entire movie right there. And I do not understand the choice to go back in time to this house because spoiler alert, everybody dies except for her (laughs) and Tom, right? And you you know this. And you know everybody dies, but they don't even die in like significant ways. They just kind of die. You know, I think I remember uh, I think the book is structured that way, but for some reason it didn't. But in a book, you can open that shit up. You know, you can there's and there's also a there's a connection with the reader that you don't get with with a viewer Mm -hmm. where when it when it's revealed that the guy that they let in has seen the things Uh that should that should have landed like a bomb. You know what I mean? Right. And, And it didn't. And I don't know if it's because. You know, in the book, I don't remember how it was revealed. If the did the reader, I don't remember if the reader over his shoulder sees that he's been drawing the creatures. So then he must have seen them, which means holy shit moment. Right. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, in the movie, he just busts out these pictures so that the viewer has information that the the characters don't have. 
And that doesn't give you that charge of somebody. Why not have somebody just kind of like finding the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy stack of papers. Mm. You see somebody because imagine you're watching The Shining and in The Shining, it pans over and it shows the stack of papers and it says all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You see it. But she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You see what I mean? How the, right. the charge isn't there. Like on the page that that might work. But on as a viewer, you've got to be attached to the it happening to that person in that moment. Mm-hmm. So when I think uh, I think your boy walks up and he's he sees him. Right. Your 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 favorite guy. The yeah, big. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't think of his name. Can't think of his name. Tom. But he walked. Tom. Tom walks up and sees it. Um after the audience has seen it. So we've diluted that moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So well, diluting the kind... moment is like one of the major problems with the whole movie. Like every time this thing gets even a little close to having some kind of tension, it dissolves it immediately. Right. And so that scene that you're talking about was the beginning. I realized of what turned out to be like a consistent problem that this movie had. So there's a scene where the guy, the crazy dude who has seen the creatures and has become Mm. one of their acolytes rather than a suicidal uh, maniac is fighting with Tom. uh, And they're both grabbing opposite ends of a shotgun. Um, They're kind of fighting over a shotgun and Tom has the barrel end and the crazy guy is like his, his hand is getting ever closer to the trigger and then the shot just cuts away and you mm-hmm. hear a gunshot and yeah it's just like it's, why would you why would you rob the viewer of seeing first of all of seeing that bad guy get his head blown off or you know get shot or what cuz you just you never see it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. and and i'm not going to go on too long don't worry but but there's other parts in this movie too like where uh where the boy falls out of the boat, right? And you think like, oh my God, this is the perfect setup for an incredibly tense thing because how is she going to pull this kid out of the water when she can't look for him? And then he, she just kind of does it. She just kind of grabs right. him yeah. and pulls him. And exactly. it happens twice. Exactly. There's a part where the boat capsizes and yep. she just kind of finds them. And it's like, she dude, just finds them. there are all these yeah, setups. They... There are all these set. There's one more, one more. I, I, no, I promise I'll shut up. The other one is when the girl <laughs> wanders off, right? And she's yeah, like with, about yeah, yeah. about to look, and then it. Well, well, guess what happened? It just kind of. She just kind of doesn't, right? It's like every uh, yep. single fucking time, the momentum is just sucked out of those moments. So yeah, anyway, and it's and and those are the things that I needed you to discover because. I I remember being frustrated by those, but at that point I realized that it was just going to be a by the numbers kind of deal. Mm-hmm. That um, those things didn't frustrate me as much because I remembered better written moments in the book. Like I don't remember the idea of her, the kids ringing bells to tell where they are at, but then meanwhile they're yelling for each other. So yeah. what the fuck is the bell for? What is the right. little bell doing? I don't remember that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some the the way that their eyes changed when they saw the creatures, mm-hmm. and it wasn't consistent. Otherwise, they would have saw that fucking dude the first time they saw him. Like, why are your why do you have fucking goat eyes that are like spiraling? You yeah, know, right? Like, like why did they do that special? Effect? They did it after the 
after they've revealed it, that that's what happens to him. And then the audience keeps seeing that, like, he's like, can I see the babies? And his fucking eyes are pinwheeling. Uh-huh. And they and the and the, they don't know how to deal with that. So the filmmaker has doesn't show Sandra Bullock ever look in his direction because they would have to say, well, why doesn't she notice the eyes? Probably because they the eyes, they change that later, maybe like they're like, this is something we need to add something mm-hmm. supernatural. This up. let's make some leaves float. Let's make the eyes spin, you know, make it seem like it's a it's a, some sort of hell creature. But all that shit was not necessary. Like in the in the book, it was just the it's an inherently interesting idea. You didn't you didn't need to like horror movie it up. Like those things were screeching with that stupid screech that you hear in every horror movie mm-hmm. and bumbling around and roaring. And just that, that whole, you know, in the mouth of madness, I can see it's beautiful. Want to look right. that shit's fucking stupid. I don't, well, it's corny. I just, and it's I'm, also like, I feel like that would have been another opportunity to ratchet. Cause anytime, like you said, anytime you see like some growling and some leaves rustling, it's like it's the same reason the happening was such a shitty movie. It's like every time we're supposed to be scared because there's leaves rustling, like <laughs> dude, it's not working, you know. And I think but I it feel like been more social. I think it would have been more effective if there was like almost almost no outer cue that they had seen it. Right? It's just they just change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and that's what it was. I, I, again, my memory might be not be accurate, but that's what I seem to remember. And I also remember the. The creatures, it was a, it was one of those, um, it's like an accidental thing. It's like what I was talking about when we were talking about annihilation. Like what if the, the lighthouse and the, the shimmer is just, it's not on, it's not fucking us up on purpose. It's just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't know, it doesn't know or care how to deal with this. So in the book, that was the vibe I got was that it was an invasion of something that through no fault of its own cannot come in contact with us Mm -hmm. it's just and it's not trying to murder us it's just sorry we're too fucking freaky for your world yeah but we're but we're here now and it definitely felt like an invasion and it definitely felt like a uh a tangible um benevolent evil right in this movie they're like nah People don't like that. Let's uh, let's throw in some uh, Bible imagery. Um, we're going to have pictures of demons, and we're going to act like it's a it's a you know a biblical apocalypse. Yeah. And that stuff's not as interesting because then the idea that the thing is accidentally fucking you up, I think, is much scarier than your screeching by the numbers monster. Mm-hmm. You know, and plus they didn't. They, it seemed like they didn't even know what they were going to do with it. They, at the beginning, um, it, it's kind of doing a happening thing where all these suicides are happening. And, and again, I, the, in the book, I remember it seems like there was it was murder mixed with suicide. Mm-hmm. It just it just made you crazy. And, and right. a symptom of being crazy is that being crazy means you'll hurt yourself and others. Right. Whereas in the, in the movie, it was very specific, very much like the happening that you're you must kill yourself. Right. And and so how do they do that? Yeah, they do it with people muttering, uh, "Mom, please don't go." Like they mm-hmm. see their dead parents or something. What the fuck? Right. And there's it's some, like it's your worst the the whole I see my worst nightmare thing. That was like my gripe with the. Uh, uh, otherwise, I liked um, what was the the movie with the creek the real funky creature in the woods. Uh, um, ritual. Ritual. I really liked that movie, except when the monster turned into like a convenience store because it had to represent somebody's worst fear. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't think that shit's scary. So for because the woman, it was I was actually David Mamet's wife. She gets into the burning car. She's like, Mom, don't go. Oh, right. 
So I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then later they're, they, they're, the monster can whisper. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking if the fucking monster can whisper, then it's like, like trying to get them to open their eyes. And if it's trying to get them to open their eyes, then, then it's aware that it's harming them. And that means it would attack them. And that means that nothing makes any sense anymore. Yeah, it, because would, the, it would be like it clearly has a physical presence because it moves leaves and shit. So why can't it blow the stupid blindfold off their face then? Or or why if it's making noises, why doesn't it make bird noises? Oh, right, <laughs> right. Then it's you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But so they they introduce horror movie cliches that fuck up what was inherently an interesting story all, all by itself. Mm-hmm. A lean, mean story that didn't have all that shit. So you introduce all the horror movie cliches and then it doesn't make sense. You can't have the monster muttering and being like, uh, uh, Mallory, Mallory, uh, take your blindfold off. Also, wait, because, why? Do because... you... Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, that's it. I'm just going to keep complaining about if you have them talk, that means they're they're aware of people in a way that they can't be or else none of it makes sense. They wouldn't leave the house alone. They wouldn't be like, well, I hope they never look at us. They would just open the door. You know what I mean? Why does, like, yeah, does... why do, why can't they go inside? Why, why is it when they open the door, why doesn't the monster just run inside? Because it makes sense. If the thing isn't trying to kill anyone, that it's mm-hmm. just existing, mm-hmm. that then it makes sense. As soon as they introduce horror movie cliches, where they're roaring and they're climbing on cars. It just, it means that they must be the dumbest things ever, right, you know, right. but somehow can imitate human speech. It's just, that shit doesn't work. And that's just an example of a, a bad adaptation. The adaptation is trying to funnel it through the lens of a typical horror movie, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which people apparently love. And that's the part that I can't get past. Like if yeah. I was in the world of bird box, dude, if let's say I'm, I'm in bird box and I get my, I see my worst fear. My worst fear is a world where people seem to think something's awesome that I don't like. <laughs> that's what the, that's what the monster would be to me. Yeah. yeah it, would it would be, be a bunch of tweets. Like I would, I would, this was fantastic. I would turn on, yeah. I would turn on the internet and I would, and everybody would, I'd be, I'd say, am I insane? Right. Do people not understand the problems here yeah. and, and it's just like that's your own private hell dude that's your own monster because yeah. nobody else seems to have a problem with any of this stuff no it, apparently it's uh it's good enough is that right. what it is now right. it's, it's well that's it, good do enough. you do you not think though that especially in the circles that we run in do you think that i'm i'm being cynical here to assume that a lot of it is also cynical well, actually, hold that thought. I'm going to pee real fast, and then I have I have an elaboration on that. So I don't think it's entirely okay. cynical, but I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so so my my non cynical thing is that I don't I don't actually th- because okay, just for any listener who who doesn't understand what I'm talking about, like we were joking at the beginning of this about like being close personal friends with Josh Mallerman, but I think we're all Facebook friends, right? And I think that a lot of um, a lot of our folks who run in our same circles know the guy to varying degrees, uh, whether that's kind of casually through social media or not. So, like, I'm not saying that people are pretending to like a movie, but I think that something – I think that what we're seeing is whenever your your buddy does something or somebody that you know, it it makes it a little bit cooler, right, in a way that – I mean, sure. I I, it's this is hum, this is human nature, dude. Like that's I, I keep going back and forth with this. Like, am I a piece of shit that I can't be happy for someone? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. right. And what's so wrong with supporting people? Right. Like right. I told you, I said earlier to you on the phone, my brother-in-law made a movie that's a complete fiasco and I support the hell out of it. Right. Because 
it's but there's something about the parade of writers falling all over themselves to attach themselves to someone's success you know that mm-hmm. uh, all those those tags you were talking about with so proud of you brother you know yeah but and so how how am i but then again how am i any different with this with the because what i'm doing is i haven't detached myself from the i know who that guy is aspect here if anything it seems to have overwhelmed me where I can't function. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm, in a more like in a different in a different way, I am so uh, affected by other people's reactions to this based on my perceived um, relationship that they're trying to cultivate that I've lost my mind. I've lost my way just as much as they have, maybe. Right. So, uh, am, does that make any sense to you? It does. It does. Like, but I think the thing that I, I don't think that we are being crazy i don't think that it's completely unreasonable i think that that's what people would say in response to what we're saying because nobody ever really wants to have real conversations about this because it's uncomfortable and you know it just it it makes people look like weird opportunists but i mean it exists um to but to varying degrees it's not one size fits all you know there are people who like if you're this guy's best pal i mean of course you're gonna you know, be like, hey, great right. job. Because, like, you know, and and I would say, I would even go one step further and say that you would honestly like it better if you knew the person. Oh, of course, yeah. That you would that through that there would be that attachment of um, our takes are too hot, dude. Our takes are too hot. <laughs> Setting off smoke alarms. <laughs> oh, can you? Is that at your house? Is that at my house? That's your house, dude. Oh, let's uh, a little. A little excitement for the pod. Let's All go right. see what's happening. See what's going on. Is there an apocalyptic situation? What happened out here, Cookie Monster? Somebody is trying to make Christmas cookies and breastfeed a child and get a fire in the kitchen. And creatures that we can't look at or will be killed. Oh. There, I just did the broomstick on the battery. Oh, well, that's exciting. That's exciting. This happens, happens a lot. So the cookie's burning then. Um, no. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't know why, why I did that. We will open the door. Let the monsters in. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, and I guess I would just say that, you know, and it's one of those things where it's, I don't know why I'm always this way and I wish I could not be this way. It's like you said earlier, I wish I could just be the it's 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 socially understanding when to keep things to yourself and when to be honest. And I just mm-hmm. I just don't have that. And I've never I had like, that. Yeah. I know what you mean, dude. And here's the thing, it's like I feel like people are also afraid that they're going to miss a chance um to like they don't want to burn a bridge you know they don't and and things get better i mean i don't either i don't i don't want to burn any bridges i just if if, if i think something sucks i'm not gonna pretend that it doesn't you know i mean didn't like stephen king didn't he make didn't weren't the first like five thousand adaptations of his movies terrible until well i guess maybe they started off good and then they got bad if carrie was the first anyway Mm -hmm. um he got his got better, you know, and finally it finally landed. Like it doesn't mean it doesn't mean this, that 
you can't have a good adaptation of this guy. It's, you know, you know what I mean? Like, the, like, why not? Why can't we be supportive at the beginning? Because it's gonna, you know, this is the, the what a great beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, usually people have a much, much rougher beginning than this. Sure. You know, yeah. but is that, is that part of it? I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Nobody's going to make a movie out of something I've written. Yeah. Like if some, and if someone would have told me that I was, that one day I would say that I would say impossible. I will one day, they'll make so many movies of my work, but now I realize that it's not going to fucking happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it's great to say it because it's a, it's a win-win to be this defeatist because if the universe wants to prove me wrong and, you know, to make an asshole out of me and say, and make, and make a movie out of one of my things, I'll say, Hey, I'll look stupid. Bring it on universe. But mm-hmm. the ship has sailed. I think the ship has sailed. Mm-hmm. I think that it's big ideas are what's going to be turned into movies. It's it's movie things with the edges sanded off. Things w- where you shoot for the middle. I'm not saying his book was the edges sanded off, but I would say his book was a big idea. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big idea property. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, and you know, I used to say, you know, movies are actual miracles, and I love them all. I say that all the time to people. Um, but th- and that's why I'm such a hypocrite when I pick apart even my favorite things you know mm-hmm. like but maybe they're not going to be actual miracles anymore because with just like when print on demand flooded the market mm-hmm. so you didn't get you didn't get hungry writers doing things that the big six wouldn't dare to do but instead you got people shooting for the middle yeah shooting to exactly and, and that and it was the ones that managed to scramble to the top of that was um were big ideas mm-hmm. not necessarily the best product but the biggest idea right and and none of the and none of this is art you know what i mean right right, right. none of of this this battle i'm talking about is necessarily art the art would be arguably where it started but if there's gonna be if we're gonna have if we're having a new you know a new kind of filmmaking where it's the print-on-demand filmmaking is happening with netflix and all these other things these these aren't really movies anymore Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. This isn't, and I, I guess that's, and that's where people are not going to know what I'm talking about because people that have only experienced these sorts of movies say, what are you talking about? But they're really not the same thing. Hmm. I'm not, this particular movie, um, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like a movie to me. It didn't feel like the, the, the filmmaker had any degree of, of, of skill or, or personality. Yeah, you know what I mean. Personality is the big one. Yeah, it, was, it felt like it was. It was, a, it was TV. It was TV. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It felt like there was TV. I felt like again. I felt like there were some really strong character moments, like maybe two or three throughout the whole thing, but the rest of it was just. It was. Besides it being nonsensical and the tension being drained from every potentially tense scene in the entire movie, it did. Didn't it look just kind of flat? Like there's yes. not there's not a single shot in that movie that's a risk at all, you know. Well, it looks like this is what's kind of funny is like it has some great shots of the river, yeah. and it has some great there's some great um, that's true moments that if you were to freeze them on the river, there's some cool shots, mm-hmm. but it's like I don't know, you know, the, the all that footage of the river is, is obviously like a you know it's a, a drone coming in and mm-hmm. and you get all that drone footage. So like it looks cool, but what do you do when movies have the same technology as like your nephew? <laughs> right. if, exactly. if you're like, you know that 
that like that movie has the same beautiful shot that that my you know my brother and sister-in-law got when they were sitting on their jet skis in a sandbar last year and they put it on Facebook. That would normally have cost millions of dollars. Yep. Like three three years ago, it cost millions of dollars to get that helicopter drive-by to get that high-def shot of them sitting on jet skis. But they got the same shot. They got mm-hmm. the same shot of the river that this movie did. I'm yeah. not saying that. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm saying that it looks like YouTube. Yeah. That we yeah, that something is something has happened where if it's not on film and if I don't see uh, and that's is that elitist though? Am I being elitist? I I don't I don't know. I guess man a little bit, but it's a balance, right? I mean, it's it's a balance of all those things. I think that going the other way and just being totally, I guess populist would be the opposite of elitist, populist about it is is mm-hmm. sometimes even more annoying than elitists because at least elitists have some kind of code as to what good is and what bad is, right? Here's here's where I'll lose them completely. Mm-hmm. I think The Happening is a better movie than, than this. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. And I'll that. tell you why. I'll tell you why. Even though it's arguably worse in every aspect. <laughs> sure. It's got a personality. There's mm. it's an auteur, there's an auteur at work there mm. who is totally fucked up and went off the rails. Yeah. Um, and also and also I would say that the suicides are interesting in that. There's some beautiful shots. Like remember the when the guys are all jumping off the construction site. Oh yeah. At the yeah, beginning, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's some in, there's some interesting shit where the suicides in this are somebody bashes their head against a wall. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I and I feel like it was a because it wasn't that important to the the story the story is the unseen thing mm-hmm. you know so it's so it's kind of uh, you know uh, ironically it butts its head up against the visual medium because you have a thing you can't see which is why i god i, I just i'm so sad that they dropped the ball on that moment when that guy's drawing stuff mm-hmm. because it, it made me start to think and and, and I, as soon as i thought it i thought man and the, this filmmaker isn't going to fucking do anything with this but what it, are the drawings going to affect somebody? Can you not even render it on paper? Mm. Because remember earlier, the monitor, it, you couldn't yeah. see a, the guy. The guy goes to it's a great line. You know, it's a, and the moment in the book was really great, too, where he says, you know, it's going to be rendered through, uh, you know, uh, fucking pixels. You know, why would that have any effect on us? And you, he convinces us, you know, by the end of his conversation. But you still know in the back of your mind, like, well something bad's got to happen or else uh-huh. they wouldn't be doing this. You know what I mean? Right. And in the book, I felt like it came later. So when they did it in the movie, it felt like it was just establishing rules of these sure. things. These things will still affect you no matter how you look at them, mm-hmm. which means like the drawing should have affected somebody or at least, at least acknowledge that question. Right. Like, why don't you have those same questions yeah. about how, so how much of a, does it, a copy of a copy of a copy? Will it affect somebody? You know, how far do you have to, to translate it through technology before it doesn't affect anybody. I would blow all of these things up and make that interesting because in, you have the visual medium of a movie. You don't necessarily have to go down those roads in the book because you don't need to. Right. When you have the visual medium of a movie, why aren't you pursuing every visual question about the unseen thing? It's inexcusable, dude. It's right. inexcusable, and that's what somebody who isn't good at making films doesn't think about. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you said it better than I could have, man. I mean, it's just it's every every it's it's a it's a two hour movie where every single time the it comes close to doing something interesting, it it pulls away from it. 
And I wonder if if an auteur got a hold of it. Do you think that they probably would have just filmed the trip and yeah. had these little snippets of story? Like, uh, did they try to make it too much like a TV show where they had to include every character and give them one character trait? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was that probably what... the biggest problem. I think that you could, again, you could have made a really tight hour and 20 minute, insanely tense movie uh, just with that river trip, right? Yeah. Where they have to stop. It's like, what happens when you have to go to the bathroom, right? Like you got to yeah. pull the whole thing over and go use the bathroom somewhere. And I want to, and I want to see that stuff. That's like, um, and there's animals out I'll, there. You can't, you can't see. Like you can no longer see animals. So maybe animals are like they know that humans are mostly blind now, right? So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe bears are like a problem. You know, you there was just there's a whole movie there, and I don't understand why. I don't understand why the house happened at all. I don't get it. I just, I mean, maybe I'm missing I'm, something, but I'll stick up for the house a little bit. Yeah, that's the that's the I, I like that kind of stuff because I liked, uh, you know, I, I like the mist and I liked uh, the birds, you know, where people are stuck in a place together and they talk it out. Um, my disappointment was that they didn't, we didn't get to see them talk it out because they fracture that where we don't get to. You don't get to build up the frustration of being stuck with them. Instead, you get little vignettes of being stuck with them. So it just feels like every moment, like you said, should be important that we're seeing. Because otherwise, if you don't do it in order of like, we all run into the house, so now we're stuck there. And now shit's going to build up and we're going to get frustrated. And then you're on that journey, like in the birds, like in the mist when they're in the grocery store. Instead, with this, we just keep dipping in and you're thinking, well, this must be a profound moment. And instead, it's a by the numbers moment. Right. You know, right. um, so I think I think you're right. And that I didn't uh, again, I didn't feel those frustrations when I was reading those parts. It felt like a nice throwback to to those sort of Stephen King. Everybody stuck in the bottle together. You know, mm-hmm. um, this one, the conversations in this were kind of wacky, too. Like, I don't remember the same situation with the sister at the beginning, but I might be wrong. But this felt like every conversation seemed like it happened like it should have happened weeks before mm. they have a, t- a conversation about adoption while they're doing the ultrasound. The mm. sister gives all this tons of exposition about the boyfriend mm. situation, which I don't think was in the book. It's like they're, they're just th- making sure that they're hitting all these notes. Like you that's here, when actually, get... that's, you know, it's funny little moments like that will turn me against a movie so fast. But when I knew yeah. I was going to hate it is when she's in her studio, one of the very first scenes and her sister mm-hmm. comes in, and the line is something to the effect of, she's like, I know it's been really hard for you since Ryan left, <laughs> but, and it's just like, what are you doing? Stop! Yeah, in the, not in a the baby. Book, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in the book it was a one-night stand, and the book didn't give a shit about it. I think the book right. just, just blew right past it, because who cares, you know? Right, right. And But there was also, it felt like some of the conversations should have happened even weeks later. Like, they didn't seem to happen when they were supposed to be happening. Like, when Malkovich, uh, his, when his wife goes into the burning car and she's like, Mom, is that you or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she had gone out to help Mallory. So when she comes back in, he, it, the movie stops so he can stare at her and say, it should have like, been you, Gordy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that's the shit that builds up. That's the resentment that builds up. If you announce it in that very moment, um, especially in the visual medium of a movie, it's like you rob us of that of that relationship. That relationship is now already over. We yeah. know how it ends. It ends with he hates her and he will never not he'll never not hate her. Ta-da, what else you got? 
Right. You know what I mean? And so because the, every the time they'll see, she'll be like, you remind me of my father. Why does that matter? <laughs> what is her relationship with her father? Why does it does matter it? that John Malkovich reminds her of her father? What does that have to do it's just, with this anything? This is by the numbers. It's by the numbers. It shit. has nothing to do with anything. One, because their relationship isn't going anywhere. It doesn't develop or change after that conversation. It's just, It's literally my life slipping away. As I well, and now I'm doubling down on it because I'm spending time complaining about it. But it's just it's completely pointless. It adds nothing to it. It's like, oh, she had a father that she didn't get along with. Is that right. what we're supposed to take away from it? This guy's an asshole. Yeah, every single scene that he's been in, they've really hammered it home. This guy's a real <laughs> asshole. You know what I mean? It's like, and I think there was was doing? there. A... And there was like an America make America great again line somewhere in there. Oh, it was awful. Like, yeah, it, that it was, was terrible. Yeah, because he's, he's also a Trump guy, right? So he's also like, we're we're gonna make the apocalypse great again. It's like cringe, <laughs> cringe, and you know all the fucking like Rachel Maddow watchers are at home like, oh my fucking god, oh they really stuck it to Trump with the bird box. By the way, how the fuck did those birds survive? For a week with no food or nothing <laughs> in the grocery store. Those are fucking miracle birds, I guess. Unless there's something yeah. about birds that I don't understand. Somebody's going to listen to it and be like, actually, birds can survive They're, for birds, three weeks birds, without food uh, and water. Uh, birds, can, birds can survive for four years without being named. <laughs> and, then <it's, laughs> and then they go and they black out their car window to go to the grocery store. Somehow the GPS still works. Who's manning those satellites? Who's manning the GPS satellites? <laughs> like, how does GPS work? There was one thing that where I think it was an accidental uh, thing where I enjoyed it, but I think it was probably just as bad as this other stuff we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the there's everybody has one character trait. So you have a speaking of the happening, a very M. Night character wanders in. Remember the black dude who's who's like working on a novel? Yeah, of course. And he, he and in like zero point two seconds, he lists all possible theories that could be happening yes, and right. goes through goes through all these genres of films. I actually love that part. I did because, too. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like because they're like, what wait, what's going on? And he's he's like, Oh, I'm working on a novel, guys. <laughs> I yeah. thought that was pretty fun. No, I actually great. laughed out. Plus, yeah. he reminded me of the guy in the in the, uh, Harold Kumar. Mm. It, he's like, "We're gonna we're gonna burn this motherfucker down, Pookie." <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I had, yeah. I had a soft spot. I had a soft spot for him. But anyway, um, yeah, like uh, et cetera, et cetera. This this, I got nothing else. I don't know. I think that maybe if the if the struck if this this is I take no delight in doing this. I really wanted to like it. Uh, and, you know, all sarcasm aside, by the way, I am just like writers, as you know, are by far the most sensitive people on the planet. And if you if you even just like mildly poke fun at them, they're just like, fuck you. You know, well, uh, I think actually, Stephen, King, uh, Stephen King actually got mad because people were making fun of writers rooms. And he had that tweet where he was like, I have a writer's room. Go fuck yourself. I'm like. So it never it never ends, right? You can be the most successful writer on planet Earth, and you, you still. Well, speaking of speaking of writers, I, I want to mention this real quick before we on, on before we climb out of the box. Uh, uh, your boy Adam Caesar mm. said something that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. He said never. Uh, he said never trust book people when it comes to movies, and never trust movie people when it comes to books. I don't know exactly what that means, but I am fully on board with this. Yeah. 
Like it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, so does that make me a movie person? Which makes sense that I would be struggling in the wrong medium all these years. Right. That right. my life has been a dead end. Right. I like that rationalization right there. First of all. Right. Second of all, it makes sense that all the we can kind of cut these writers some slack that they love this movie because they like everything. They like any movie. They don't know what a good movie is. Interesting. They haven't been. Maybe. Yeah, because I, I think I would be a movie guy too. I mean, think about like my writing. It's very, very minimalist. I don't do a lot of description or interior. It's mostly dialogue. Maybe I'm a movie guy too. And I didn't even know it. That's interesting. I just think maybe I don't know what a good book is. Fuck. It could be. But oh. I think that we're caught up in I think what's really haunting us, why we drug our feet getting into getting this going today because we didn't want to be the doomsayers. Mm-hmm. There's just something I don't even know if this is gonna make sense saying it out loud, but there's it's it's there's a, there's something that's attached to our personalities. I don't want to speak for you, but I think there's something attached to my personality that, you know, good or bad, I can't get past. And it's gonna it's gonna sound shitty out loud. I'm gonna try to say it anyway. But like, let's say, you know, we want to write books, right? And people say, are you are you ready to write books? Or you want to be successful writing books? You want to write stories? Okay, you're gonna have to do a lot of things to do that. You're gonna have to force yourself to make time. You're gonna have to get up early. You have to, or stay up late. I think the more, the more of us stay up late and work on stuff. You're gonna have to read a ton. You're gonna have to read a ton of stuff. You're gonna have to review books, not necessarily review your friends like Facebook loves to do, but you're gonna have to re- go out there and review books and get into that cycle of, you know, putting down your thoughts on a book as much as you put down your own creative work. You have to go to conventions. You're gonna have to, su- you're gonna have to support other writers. You're gonna have to read and write even more, revise until you're sick of it. You're gonna have to act as pub- publicist agent. You have to be an agent to find an agent, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna you're gonna have to say yes when everybody asks for anything because you don't want to miss an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Now, all of those things sound like a struggle. I've only found that I struggle with one of those things. Do you know what that one thing is? There's one word in the middle of all that. What is it? And that's support. Mm-hmm. Support other support other writers. Mm-hmm. What am I a piece of shit? Am I a piece of shit? Because it's the hardest part for me because it means it feels like I have to lie yeah it feels like I have to pretend things are good when they're not good it feels like I have to champion things I don't like that's the only part I struggle with the rest of this stuff would keep people up all night thinking I can't do it I can't I can't invest in that I can do all that other shit like nothing but as soon as somebody says you have to pretend you and that's the easiest thing for most people can't yeah. you just suck suck it up and be happy for somebody can't you just do that Right. But that's the one thing I can't do. So I don't know. Man, don't know. that was really. I knew, I, I, it almost makes me end the episode up. right there. No, it I almost want to. No, I don't think it sounds terrible. I actually like. I'm actually like. I'm. I'm really into that, dude. I. I feel like you just, in a, in a very eloquent way, summed up exactly what is wrong with me and what's always been wrong with me. Oh, no, and no, no, I'm serious, no, dude. And no. it's it's the same fucking problem. And it's like, it's like I can lie about anything else you know what i mean like i can i can if somebody comes up to me and they're like hey uh what do you think about uh for example my dream to become a writer i can say that sounds like a great idea i wish you the best of luck that's a lie right but (laughs) what i have such a hard time doing is it's exactly what you said it's like i cannot for whatever reason just suck it up and pretend that some and i and i think i get I get driven crazy 
when I sense that people are lying about what they think is good and bad. But I, I don't think I, that I'm crazy for it. I don't think that I'm... I think I might have an overly sensitive sniffer for this kind of thing, but I don't think that I'm wrong. I think I really can pick up on when people are full of shit and when they're not. But it's like you said, who cares, man? Why does that... Why? why I got to work no, on it's letting a flaw, that go, it's a, it's a huge. It's a huge flaw that I have, and I think you might have it too i do that's all i know, that's all I know. <laughs> and it's just like and it's just like how are we ever gonna i can get do anywhere? the i can do the other i know and i can do the other shit but nobody wants any part of you if you can't be part of a community sure. if i can't be part of a community then what then i can't i will never make an uh, i will never creep forward because you need that uh, you need that support at least at some level right and i and here i am like oh, no, my integrity my movie review integrity on this podcast no one yeah. listens to is yeah. too important to me you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like what the fuck yeah no i can it's... do i can do the other shit i stay up till 5 in the morning hammering away at stuff right. i review stuff that uh, i review books of strangers you know what i mean Same like here, i do brother. the i do the hard shit i do the hard shit and i can't do the easy thing which is can you just you know, can't they like something? Does yeah. it bother you so much? Do you have to try to prove that they don't really like it? What kind of task is that that you've chosen for yourself? <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I'm really glad that we ended on this note because it's what's been bothering me too. It's like, well, it could because it's not like I, I'm so I'm just so tired of like projecting this stuff out onto other people. And so I love what you're saying because it's just. It's just us like kind of coming to terms with perhaps our, our most tragic flaw considering the business that we chose or any business really. I mean, my, my family has been, or the males in my family, when I was growing up, I used to be haunted by stories of, of like my father, my grandfather, my grandfather's father, like all of them have this story of, of them working in their respective businesses, two of them in the military, one of them in hospital administration and like all three of them have stories about how they fucked everything up because they made enemies in the wrong places and they like couldn't play nice over like dumb bullshit. Right. Yep. And so it haunts me because I see this same like tragic flaw being repeated in me. It keeps me up at night, man. But it's like, I've learned, I think to shut up mostly Except unless it's this podcast, my whole thing now is like, especially with social media and stuff like that, I just, I don't have to say anything at all. You know what I mean? And this, yeah, in the case I, of this podcast, we have to, we, we, we agreed that we would talk about like certain movies. And when we said, we're going to watch Bird Box, we were like, well, if, if we don't like it, we don't like it. But I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I don't go out of my way now to, to talk about any of this on social media or otherwise. Right. It's just like, I told you, this is. This becomes more and more our own dual uh, psychologist couches for each other. Because I would have typed, I would have typed all of that into a into a box somewhere on social media, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad it kind of exists here. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel I feel like I, a weight's been lifted, even if it just took me what five thousand words to just essentially say we're haters. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I feel better. I feel better about it. I feel better too. It feel it feels good. Well, it's like, it's one of those things where if anybody listens to this podcast and it's like, oh, listen, it's a couple of hating ass losers who just can't appreciate someone's success. We can both be like, yes, nailed it. Hi. Yeah. Hello. It's Dave and Dave. <laughs> in, in, incapable of feeling happy for other people. Um, oh shit. But anyway, man, good good podcast. I'm just gonna shut it off there. I think. 
Sounds good.